Welcome back, my friends, to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and I sing every week. I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holden and Paul Lewis. Hello, hello. Wait, 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 wait. I don't see no remote controls. I don't see the no. safe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my, my background is... My background is a little different. I'm I'm at a a uh, hotel in London that is actually quite nice. It's like a a, a one bedroom flat. It's it's quite spacious. And yeah, I was going to say it's quite it's much bigger than usual London rooms. <laughs> Very. It's it's I don't know, eight hundred square feet maybe. Wow. Now that's a room. It's it's really good size. I've got a I've got a seating area over here with a TV. The there's the bedroom. This is a I'm sitting at a dining room table next to a full kitchen. Jeez. It's quite it's quite lovely. Is it a Marriott property? It is a Marriott. Of course, it's a Marriott property. Nice. If I get to choose, it's always a Marriott property, and I get to choose, so it's a Marriott property. Are you on the circle? Like, where are you in the city, the relative area? Uh, I have no idea where I am relative area. I see. <laughs> you brought your tasting. Uh... <laughs> Carrying thing that you I bring not. to the conference? I did not. I did not. It, that's a little much to try to bring to a foreign nation. <laughs> foreign nation. <laughs> Are you bringing any back? That's the question. Uh, I will absolutely find some time to to do some shopping, and we'll see if the shopping is fruitful and what I bring back. Nice. But I did. Uh, I had. I you know I felt like a real Englishman. I had chips and Guinness for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> <Real Englishman>. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you have for breakfast? Beans? Um, no, today I had pancakes. The last two days I've had I had a, a full English for breakfast. Oh, fancy. Right. So bacon and sausage and beans, tomatoes, mushroom, black pudding, and uh eggs. Wow. <laughs> it's been a while since you've crossed the ocean. How was travel? Better? Uh fine. It was the yeah. same as it same as it kind of always was, right? Right. Um, I mean, I highly recommend anyone that does that do it first class. Right. You know, business is better. Like having a lay down makes makes international travel really worth it. Hundred um, percent. You know, and then of course I went to the arrivals lounge as soon as I got in, which you yep. only get with business or better, right? Yeah. Big so fan. Being able to take a shower and have your clothes pressed. And relax for a little bit, especially when you're when you're doing an overnight, right? So I land yeah. at six in the morning. Yeah, um, so you have some so, time, right? Yeah, I mean the you know check ins not till three, right? So I rolled to the hotel and I said I'm here to check in, and they said that's good for you. Um, <laughs> about it, but the subtext that's was, interesting, that's sir. What yes, will you be doing for the next four hours? Which I said <laughs> yes, of course it's not. I'll go have some breakfast. And it's funny, I came down and I sat on in a chair in the lobby and almost immediately fell asleep, like five minutes, and I was out. And they almost immediately woke me up, which I assumed was them saying, sir, you can't snore in our lobby. Right. Which was not that. It was, sir, your room is ready. So oh, my room nice. was ready before 11 in the morning. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's very nice. They just gave you the, um, the whatever open suite was available. Uh, apparently it's but it's uh you know, fantastic maybe that's the upgrade approach you have to immediately go into their lobby undo all your bags start snoring and they say well right. we can't have this right we, we can't <laughs> kick a status member out so what do we do instead hmm. <laughs> so is you that a like strategy a 
It That's is, a new it strategy? is definitely a strategy. It's definitely a strategy. It is now. <laughs> it is now. We will be it using it from bug. this point forward. It was a bug before. It is now a feature. <laughs> now you have to pre-warn them. Okay, but you realize what's going to happen. Right. I'm going to set up right. encampment right there. Right. I'll be <laughs> snoring be in seven and a half minutes. I'm just warning you. And very loud conference calls. Just I'm just telling you now. Right. Loud conference calls. That's a good one. <laughs> Your choice is to let that happen. <laughs> Find me a room. So, so I think that it's interesting that you mentioned that because that sounds like a negotiation. You actually probably went in and you're, hey, I'm here early. Uh, can you get me in? I don't know you, but if I get somewhere early, I want a room. I don't care if it's big or small. I'm not going to spend that much time. I want to be able to crash if it's an international flight. Um, like when I, when we went to Israel, we literally arrived in the morning. And like you said, the room was until the afternoon and we were like dying to sleep. Right. Um, but on our roles... How much of what you guys as leaders, as CAO, CTO, is actually negotiating what's going to happen versus actually doing work? And when I'm saying work, I, I'm going to put it like we are technologists and some people think that when you go up, you still need to be banging the keyboard. So how mm -hmm. much is the work versus actually leading or negotiating? Uh, to be effective. Yeah, so I'll start by saying, <clears throat> um, if your team is more than five people and you're the CIO, you shouldn't be banging the keyboard doing work. Mm. You simply shouldn't. If it's more than 50 people, you absolutely unequivocally shouldn't. Mm. Right? Um, if your team is more than 50 people and you still feel like you need to bang the keyboard, you don't trust your people enough. Right? Does that mean and that you don't you don't stay technical? Analyzing, say what? Is that mean that you then don't stay technical, understanding that technology as a hub is, or is it at work? Well, that's I mean that's a personal choice, right? Um, I still spend a lot of time with technology. I just don't spend a lot of time with technology at work, right? Yeah. Um, I still work to keep my skills as relevant as I can keep my skills. Right. Um, that has advantages for me, but that's because that's how my mind works and, and, you know, how I'm built. I don't know that that I would say that that's necessary for C-level executives at all. Um, you know, does a COO need to know how to run the production line of the factory? I'm not sure that that would make any logical sense. <clears throat> right. Um, you know, at the same time. I can point to many an occurrence where having the technical skills helped in the role of being a CIO or CTO. But again, I'm not sure that it I'm not sure that it matters how how good your hard skills are. Well, I'll tell you where this came up as we were sort of pre-gaming this conversation. Uh, I was having a debate with a you know pretty high-level technologist. But in fairness, they were an individual contributor. And they were um, concerned over the sort of return to office sort of mandate push. Uh, you know, there was a pre-COVID, everybody comes to the office because we spent a lot of money. And then during COVID, 
where we think it's more productive if you're working at home. And then post COVID, we think you should come back, right? Work from home versus return to office. And the pain point for this particular technologist was, I think there's a pretty big difference between the concept of what percentage of my job is actually doing work, right? Hands on keyboard. And the definition of work effectively is not important at that point. It's whatever work means to you. It might be development. It might be, uh, it might be configuring servers. Uh, it might be project management. It might be creative work like, you know, building a PowerPoint presentation. But how much of your job is doing that work versus negotiating what work has to be done, either for you or for your team? And the distinction really is in between leadership and individual contributor. The assumption was and is, or at least my my point of view, was that if you're an individual contributor, the percentage of your job of doing work is higher than if you're a leader. If you're a leader, the percentage of your job of negotiating work is higher. Therefore, if you're mostly an individual contributor and you're productive and working at home, then that makes sense. And there isn't a lot of reason practical reason why you should be pushed to return to the office. And if you're a leader, there is practical value in coming to the office and seeing people and negotiating <clears throat> and interacting because a good portion of your time isn't doing work. And how that translates to the CIO and CTO is exactly as Howard's saying, that a good portion of your time needs to not only be negotiating with your leaders, but your peers and your senior executives, right? Negotiating on what what work should be done for the year, uh, your executives. Uh, negotiating what work should be done and how with your peers. And then negotiating the waypoints and the quality um, and the purpose and value with the people who work for you. That's kind of the negotiation. And the actual doing work part of a CIO and CTO, i.e. building a slide, um, is a rare circumstance versus a... Uh, um, versus the majority of your job. That, that was kind of the philosophy. Does that, that resonate to either of you? Um, yeah, but but isn't it at, at some point, doesn't the logic kind of break itself? Which point? Right, at some, at some point I'm, I have to negotiate what work gets done with individual contributors, plural. Mm -hmm. And if, if that negotiation is why I'm in the office, then what you're saying is that negotiation is best done from within an office, in which case doesn't everyone work from an office then? Yeah, I, I think I think my perspective was more um, the push to RTO feels more valid to me if you're a leader than you're an individual contributor. But if you have a whole bunch of individual contributors <clears throat> and you're saying thou shalt be in the office to do your individual do work, that seems like a strange push. But I agree with you that effectively, what you're saying is, since your negotiation is with the individual contributors, then they kind of have to be there too. Maybe well, I, that assumes that I agree with your premise. I don't. I don't. I don't. Right. I don't agree with the premise that you need to be in the office to do that. Hmm. I would totally agree that people whose job it is to do that negotiation frequently, which is all of leadership. Right. should meet several times a year when it is most critical to do those things in person. Mm. Right. I, I don't think that means you need to maintain an office. Like I can, I can rent a conference space somewhere. We can, you know, go stay at the same hotel or go stay at a lodge somewhere and it'd be cheaper than rent an office. Right. Um, 
my my concern with renting an office isn't are we more effective in the office that's not it, it it's all especially for people that do what we do it's almost universally true that knowledge workers are better in an office because they get to work with other knowledge workers that are a hand's breadth away right however um there's two big disadvantages to to rto uh we've said it we've said both of them a thousand times the first is um if your best employees don't want RTO, then you're giving yourself a haircut for no real value. Right. Right. Cause it just goes, they'll go work somewhere else. They're the, they're the, they're your best employees. They're the ones that are the easiest to find, you know, that will find it easiest to find alternate employment. Right. Then the second reason, which, which, okay. If you, if you disagree with the first one, the second reason you really can't disagree with, cause it's not up for debate. And that is, um, if I'm hiring for an office, I'm hiring within 50 minutes of an office. If I'm hiring with no office, I'm hiring within four time zones of the office. Right. <clears throat> and you could you could even argue more, right? I don't find it particularly difficult to have a, a decent portion of my team in England when I'm in Mountain Standard Time. Right. I don't I don't find that to be you know something that I'm forced to work around. Um, you know, again, when we're doing strategic planning, do I think it's better that we're all in the same room with a whiteboard? Absolutely. Right. Do I think that's worth rent, you know, consuming office space for? Yeah. I mean, no, not really. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't know if it's my personal philosophy for <clears throat> office. I'm just debating the validity depending on the type of employee you are. Right. I think it's more valid for leadership ranks and less valid for individual contributors. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean I think it's valid in general i just think it's a spectrum of validity <laughs> but i but i agree like you we've spent enough time doing strategic planning in person that i believe it's better so i have a quarterly offsite with my leadership team in a city not in an office because none of the offices we have are convenient for the people that work for me right so sure. we find a city we spend 40 dollars a day on whatever the local room is right uh and we create value not just in the meeting room to determine what that next quarter looks like but we provide we create value at lunch and at dinner and at drinks and For bring sure. others who happen to be in that city together that's it's all that value as one combined entity 100% yeah 100% right um and i think it's i think it's just as ridiculous to say there's no value that gets created in the office as to say that that the only value gets created in the office Right. And I'm not saying that we're saying either of those things, but but I, I do, in fact, hear both of those things from different sides of the aisle on this issue. Right. right. Um, the frustrating part for me is um, I have yet to hear a staunch RTO advocate advocating for the reasons that we've laid out. Hmm. Right. Most of what I hear is we're paying all this money for office space and it is empty. Get your asses back to the office. Right. We're wasting or, electricity. Right. Or we are bad leaders and don't have to lead people that we can't see and touch every day. So get your ass back to the office. Right. Yeah. We're doubting productivity because we don't see you. C correct. Both of those are awful, horrible things. And I hope that if your organization does that and you're good, you go find someplace else to work. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but Broadcom is going down the exact path I expected Broadcom to go down. I don't know if mm -hmm. you saw the announcement. Mm -hmm. the announcement was get back, get your ass back to the office. Right. Right. Um, it, 
the, that was a really weird announcement because there was another one. Um, ERGs, employee resource groups, hmm. were also an alien thing for Broadcom. And, and specifically the CEO of Broadcom, who said, I don't know if I'm going to support them. Good luck. Interesting. Right. He said, they're alien to me. Um, I don't know what to do with them. I don't know if I'm going to support them. Good luck. And, and that's a broken culture right there. Right? right. I mean, if you've got a, if you've got a CEO, that's like, well, if I don't understand something, you can't do it. Yeah. Right. Not if I don't understand something, I'm going to endeavor to, to understand it. Then you're broken as an organization. Do you right? find that there is a physical world culture and a digital world culture? So if you're in the business of being in the physical world, you have a bunch of manufacturing plants and you sell product that you have a certain cultural and mental state and framing of how people should work versus a company that that only creates and sells digital content and value. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I just don't agree with it. Like, right. I, don't, I don't agree that that's a decent excuse. <laughs> yesterday, you were you viewed the world as one thing. If you were in manufacturing, you viewed the world as a physical space. And thus, everybody needed to be in that physical space. Right. That's not the world that we're in, though. Right. That was your cognitive dissonance denying the reality of the world that you were in for right. as long as you could. Right. So now you just people that are that are that are grasping on to that are doing so as though it is some some lifeline, right? Mm -hmm. A lifeboat in a sea that they're uncomfortable with just going neener, neener. I don't have to be comfortable with it because I'm the boss. And it's <laughs> right. like, dude, that is that that is it's yet again another case of people who want to lead are the exact people that shouldn't be leaders. And there's not a lot of transition between leadership between those two worlds. Like you don't get a 30 year manufacturer of cars mm -hmm. now becoming uh, the CEO of HP. It, it doesn't, there's no, there's no transition there either way. And therefore that feels like it's going to have some longevity. It's going to be like that and diverge even more over time. Well, yeah, but I think, I think it's a generational thing more than anything. Interesting. Okay. Right. Like I, I think, I think the generation that, that has that lack of flexibility is going to go away, whether that's one generation or two generations. Right. Right. Um, Our I mean, generation or the generation ahead of us? Well, it's the generation ahead of us for sure, but there's also <laughs> a decent percentage of our generation that, that is exactly the same, right? Gen X is not, it, it's not a distinctive generation. Gen X is half millennial and half boomer. Right. Right. Um, and you fit one or the other. You either believe the same thing your parents do, or you believe the same thing your, you know, your parents' generation did, or you believe the same thing that your children's generation does. Right. Right. You help usher those ideas in um, and you got to pick one or the other. Like you can't straddling the fence isn't going to help you either. Right. right? Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think I think we're getting to the point where organizations are going to realize you need good talent. Right. Especially if you're going to if especially if you're going to realize the value of AI, good talent becomes more important, not less important. Right. Right. That, that's a good point. Yeah, right. About the change that AI is bringing, how do you see that affecting of that change? Will that accelerate the change to move those leaders out and the new ones come in? I mean, or I mean, yes, yes. Since I can already there there's already work being done to use generative AI as a CEO. Right. Right. 
Like if you're just, I, I don't know, an intermediate CIO, as in your quality, you're you're not an you're entry level or or intermediate. You're not advanced or master. Right. Um, you probably could be replaced by a, an LLM today. <laughs> like, right. right? If you're not going to improve, what, right. why why do I need why do I need what why do I need you? Right. And I see a lot lot of C-level executives where my response has been for a long time. Why do I need you? Does that make a difference whether where you are in the do work versus plan for work spectrum? In other words, if you're a CEO that spends more time doing work versus spending more time planning for work, then AI is much more likely to displace you. Um, I I don't think it actually matters. I don't think it matters either way. Right. I mean, uh, 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 an AI today can give you a rough strategy that that comes from its learning from how many times all of the big five consulting companies have repeat like they all they do is repeat a message so it knows that message right right so it can give any company that strategy today right now no problem you're telling me the same PowerPoint that comes from Accenture has been delivered to multiple companies is that what you're trying to tell me right now uh, yeah. <laughs> I realize you're being sarcastic, but, <laughs> but just in case any of our viewers aren't aware, yes, that is 100% absolutely what they do. <laughs> I concur. Right. Um, and I, I know of companies that have received um, that have received PowerPoint presentations on global corporate strategy from the big five, Googled the concepts and found slides where the slides were the, fundamentally the same, but the company was replaced. Right. right. That's not how that's so, so the LLM already knows that and therefore it can deliver the same thing. That's right. And if that's really all you're doing, if that's really the totality of your contribution, um, yeah, I can just replace you with an LLM. We think you should find more customers in new channels and reduce your expenses and overhead. <laughs> Agreed. As a general philosophy, you should do that. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. All right, we're going to move for a second. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Why are we taking this tour of your office, your room? The uh, housekeeping is at the door, and I need I need to uh, be able to understand them, and I can't from eighty feet away. You're walking through a massive hallway in your in your hotel room. <laughs> oh, now we're on mute. There you go. This is what happens when you do it live. See, people yeah. think that we record. This, this, this is not only what you get when you do it live, but what you get when you do it live in a hotel. Like that's my hallway. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm telling you, it's a big hotel room. Five minute walk to the desk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so let's let's get back to CIO CTO. How would you define? I'll ask the question differently. What's the definition of doing work for a CIO CTO versus planning for work for a CIO and CTO? Like, what does work mean if we say do work? And by and by that, I really mean you're not talking to somebody, you're not emailing, you're not on Zoom, you're clicking the keyboard, building something. What is the thing you're building? Yeah, but okay, but but then the question that I would have for you is. Since most of it, I don't think there's any conflict there. Most of it is negotiating the work that's to be done. Yeah, that I buy. Okay. Um, the question then is, is 
documenting the result of that negotiation work or part, still part of the negotiation? I don't know. You tell me. What, how Would you define that as work or would you define that as negotiating? No, I would define that as negotiating. Okay. Right. So, so does a CI and CTO do any work? No. By that definition? No. No. <laughs> no, I think so, it's all negotiation. Interesting. Right. Under that, under that guys. Right. So, so my, my thought is like, if, if, if I write an email or create a PowerPoint or create a Visio, which I don't really do anymore, right. or an Excel, the focus of that is part of the negotiating the work that is to be done. Or documented what you've agreed to. C correct. But that's all part of right. the negotiating the work that is to be done, right? It's, it's it's hey this is this this is what we talked about i took my thoughts i put it down on paper so you could better see it here now you should be able to see it right right and so so i i think it's okay maybe 10 percent getting work done right but i would also say like every time in my current role i'm i'm doing work i'm not actually doing work as a cto hmm. Right. I'm doing work as an analyst. I'm doing work as a salesperson. I'm not doing work as a CTO. Right. But you have and a unique-ish CTO role. If we're thinking about CTO guys within a cookie company, right? My answer would be the same. Yeah. Um, so like am I have multiple roles, role? I guess, which isn't necessarily the same as most yeah, CTOs. No, but but even in my last role, I had there were multiple times where I did work, but I did work that that someone some that was not it was still wasn't part of my CXO role. Right. Right. It was part of a role that was unfilled at the organization, undefined at the organization, didn't exist, and that I had experience in, and thus I was able to do that. Hmm. Right, like designing, designing a piece of software to to do production planning and constraint management is not something that the CTO or CIO should be doing. Right, right. I did that, but that's something that you know a business analyst should be doing. Right. I simply had the experience necessary to do that. I was capable of doing it, and so I did it. Right. So I would yeah. still say I can't think of a time in the last some number of years where I did things that was doing work while wearing the CTO, the CIO hat or the CTO hat or the CISO hat. Like, and CISOs are probably the closest of the C letter executives. CISOs probably do more work. Their percentage is probably 60, 40. Hmm. Right. But I've also said, evaluating incidents creating policy, uh, I, maybe not implementing technology, but everything around everything other than the actual firewall. I mean, they might be red teaming and teaming and blue teaming. They might still be doing, you know, implementing technology. They still, the CISOs tend to be pretty technical, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> and the department teams tends to be extremely underfunded, right? And so, even right. if the CISO is only a partial head, they tend to have come up through the ranks, right? And thus right. are likely executing, they're likely executing on the job, right? It, and it may be something where they're executing by building GRC policies and configuring how those things are enforced and maybe even, maybe even, you know, specking the, the RFPs, 
right. and and doing the initial conversations with vendors, yeah. right? sitting in the audits in the audits, uh, answering customer right. questions about the security <laughs> maturity posture of the organization, right? Yeah. Okay. So if I'm doing more work through my hierarchy, then that work would be either the physical racking of a server or creating a or programming a you know piece of code and or configuring some sort of SaaS software. That's all the doing work part. And you should be doing sure. less than that as a CIO and CTO. None. You should be doing yeah. none. Right. And I agree and with you really, that anytime you're anytime you're taking the CIO hat off or the CTO hat off and you're putting on the engineer hat, yeah. that should be you should see that as a um as a negative, not a positive. The size of organization make a difference? Like what if you're a startup and there's three people and you're like I said, right? Yeah. If you're if you're if your team is less than five, this doesn't apply. Right. Then do you have maybe to. if your team is less than fifty, this doesn't apply. But if your team is greater than fifty, this absolutely applies. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and yeah, because, because, you know, when your team is five, when you're in a startup, it's all hands on deck. Yeah. Right. And you, you've heard me say many times, if I have a team of 50, I better only have work for 49 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm not one of those people. I can't be, I don't have time to do the, the work that the team needs to right. put together. And, and if you're saying, the planning for work, i.e. the calls, the emails, the meetings, and the documentation of work, i.e. the status <coughs> updates and or the project plans, is all part of the negotiation. And you're right. The only real work I would do at that point is content creation. Right. So something like this what we're doing right now. Right. Isn't work necessarily in the is or isn't planning for work, but it is content that gets created. Right. It might Correct. be a blog, it might be a video, it might be whatever content that might make sense to deploy well and, and if if you think about it that way then we go right back to that whole branding conversation that we've had in the past right right um and you both do work to build your brand and do work to build you as part of the corporate brand hmm. right both of which are both of which are valuable today right right um, Disney would get value from the CIO of Disney being well-known. Right. And does, right? Same for Coca-Cola, same for, you know, anybody. I could argue and have argued several times that whatever content I create or the work I do in order to improve my personal brand is for the benefit of the company that I'm working for at the moment. Also, Just some percentage? Yeah. yeah. What, well, what percentage wouldn't if I have a political opinion that the company doesn't particularly? No, 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 no. I, I, no but, but everything has a percentage, like, like nothing's 100%. Sure. Right. Everything that's public has some percentage of value for you as the individual right. and some percentage of value for the company. So right. um, there's very, you know. It's something greater than zero at the very least. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I Is the reverse true? So if content you're producing for the company isn't a hundred percent valuable to the company, always no, it's still some percent value valuable to your brand. <laughs> right. Of course. It's part your brand, it's part company brand. It's you know, it right. always that's that's why I can't understand executives that are not that have no external presence. Right. I just don't get it. Like you're you're not managing your brand, you're not helping the company manage their brand. What are you doing? Right. 
right? I get you're doing other things. It doesn't mean that that's the thing that the only thing that has value, but it has so much value to you as an individual that you should right. be doing it to some percentage. I don't know what that right percentage is, right? But right. and it varies from company to company. But you should be doing it some percentage, right? And that's right. about as close as it gets, I think, to doing work for a C-level executive. Right. So now um, you CEO said that... might be a little different, especially if you're doing fundraising. See, <clears throat> right? the CEO is so much a salesman, a hustler that right. that you can easily argue there's a lot of that that is doing work. Right. So, so thinking about that, if you look at the technologist, they think that the banging on the keyboard is work. How do you manage the expectations that, as a leader, like you like you describe? Now you're still their technology, a vertical leader, mm -hmm. but then their expectation of work, it was the value that you bring about the technologist versus now that you're doing something different. How do you manage those expectations and, and help them understand the difference? The, the only way that your role makes sense is you can do something that no one else in the company can do, and that something is necessary, hmm. right? So if you're doing engineering work as a CE, as a CTO or a CIO, then you, you're making a huge mistake because you've hired other people to do that. So you can focus on being a CIO and CTO, yeah. right? And so unless the job of a CIO or CTO at your organization is completely done and there is no more work that you could do, you should not be acting as an engineer for any percentage of time. There's 8 billion people on earth. The likelihood you have a unique skill set is zero. It's low. <laughs> you know I mean? right. um, but, but additionally, the, the likelihood that your organization needs that particular set of skills is also very low. Right. Right. And do they need that particular skill at that particular time? There's no one else that can set up that piece of hardware, that can run that piece of software, that can configure that application. Right. And we all know once you do that, you own it forever. Right. So that's really the position you want to put yourself in as a CIO or, or CTO. You want to be the owner of that thing. That's a that's a reasonable use of your time as that executive. Like that's that's a decision that you should make at your level of authority that seems like you don't understand what the role of a CIO or CTO is, if that's right. what you're doing. And I, and I see a lot of it. Yeah. Right. That's actually um, an angle we should explore in the next three minutes that we have. <laughs> the do work, plan for work spectrum as it changes while you get promoted over time, right? So you're an individual contributor, you become a manager, a director, a VP, a CIO, CTO. How do you know as that person where I should, <laughs> what dial I should change in that spectrum as I go up? Like who's, who's helping me figure that out? It's one of the harder things to, as you're getting, um, going through the ranks, isn't it? It kind of is, right? But it's also how many people that directly report to you are doers and how many people that directly report to you are leaders, right? Right. If there's one degree of separation or zero degrees of separation, as in you're a line leader, right? You're a manager, right? Then you probably need to be spending a bunch of time on the keyboard, right? Right. You're taking escalations. 
you're managing more complex things, but you're doing it ideally in a way where a very large percentage of that activity is mentoring. Yeah, you're a player so coach. I'm, that board, I'm doing knowledge transfer to, to the person who should actually be doing it to, to a large percentage. That's not always going to be true as a, as a manager, right? You may find that that is 60-40 with 60%, you're, you're still doing work. It'd be right. fine. I'd have been in those organizations and that's fine. Director, now you, you have a degree of separation, mm -hmm. right? Or senior manager, you may have a degree of separation where the people who report to you are all managers. Right. Director, you might have two, right? Only senior managers report to you and then managers and then individual contributors, right? right? And the further you get away, the more degrees of separation. And right. so it should almost be like an exponential reduction. If it's 60, 40, mm -hmm. right? Then it's probably 40, 60. Then it's probably 20, 80. Then it's probably 10, 5, 0. You know, yeah. something are, like that. These are big dial changes, not small dial changes. Co correct. They're big dial changes, mm -hmm. right? If you're a VP and you're still sitting at the keyboard doing work, you're neither mentoring nor managing your people, much yeah. less and leading you're not, them. You're not a VP at that point, in title alone. Co correct. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> Right. Um, and, and let's let's also keep in mind, um, I don't give out orders. Right. I, I may say, hey, this is the decision on strategy. Mm -hmm. If I have to give out an order, it's a bad day for me. I'm, I'm upset. Right. That means my my leaders, the people that report to me have have failed. Right. They should not need orders. Right. Right. They should they know should how need... to implement a decision. Yeah. Correct. They should need decisions these are the decisions that have been made this is the strategy we're going with right. right this is what that strategy means this is how i think that should kind of play out mm -hmm. not how it should be executed but kind of what the net result is at the end of executing that strategy right this is the reason why we did that the reason why this this, this strategy decision was made was because of this like i'm i'm good with all of that i'm really not good with no you will do this this way i don't like that that's right it's just not a good use of a of a executive, right? Um, and it, you know, it, I see I see it a ton. And I think technology leadership <laughs> makes this work for us, makes us worse for ourselves. We have a habit of in technology of promoting individuals into higher ranks um, before the organization chart makes sense to do that. And we do that because of uh, longevity in the career, right? So we'll take somebody who's been a manager for 10 years, uh, has the exact same organization and give them a director title, uh, but the, but their organization doesn't change because they they have the tenure to support it. Yeah. But now we've titled them director. We kind of have an expectation that they do things differently, yet they have the exact same team with the exact same job de delivering the exact same value. And we do this all the time. Sometimes we'll make them a VP. We'll make them, you know, we start promoting the individual by not, but not changing their team and having different expectations and they don't know what to do. I see that happen time and time again. I do. I do. Um, I don't think it's as much a problem when it's small organizations, hmm. but at large organizations, it's a huge problem. Right. Right. Um, but it's and... hard to change our expectation of that individual while they still have the same output mandate, right? They oh, still no. have the same 10 people delivering the same product they always have been doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially especially if you, if you do add demands, right? Okay, we're gonna promote you to director. However, 
Um, we then need you to be a director. We need you to do more strategic planning. Okay, cool. Do I get right. to backfill the the line level work, the in, the IC level work that I was doing? No. Yeah. Oh, so this is just a demotion then. Right. It feels like we don't think about that. more work. What we think pay. about is that will help me get a director level role at an, at my next company. Right. Right. And that's that's I think where one of the places where leaders make mistakes. Right. The leaders above them that are making those decisions. Oh, this will help me retain that person. No, it'll help you retain them just long enough for them to go work somewhere that knows what a director is. <laughs> right. Right. Like you're greasing the skids for their next employer is all you're doing. You're not helping, you know, you're not helping yourself, your company or them in, you know, kind of two bad answers then. Right. So let's <laughs> say you do have an employee been around 10, 15 years that they're not ready. They're, there's no other place to put them in your organization. <laughs> um, so either they're leaving because they're not satisfied, they're not getting promoted, or they're leaving because we promoted them, but have the same job. Where's the win? Well, there is no win because, because <laughs> fundamentally, no yeah. well, fundamentally you're that, doing it wrong either way, right? That person In is out from the organization. What you have failed to do yeah. is you have failed to work with them on career planning. Right. And if you promote them without without backfilling their prior role, you've also told everybody that works for them, there's nowhere for you to go. Right. Right. The king must die because there's there will never be space underneath them. Right. Right. And so it, the thing that you're trying to do, you have undone by doing that. Right. Right. Again, right. We're, we're in this case, we're talking companies larger than a couple hundred. Right. Where you actually do right. have levels of separation. Right. <clears throat> yeah, Lar large enough to have levels, but not so large that you can move people around in peer-like roles. I couldn't take right. that leader and make them in charge of some other technology discipline because we have expectations that that leader have an understanding of that discipline. Sure, and I'm not yeah. I'm not sure how how well I think that actually works. Like that's been a big thing, and of and I'm moving not... someone to another discipline. Yeah. yeah. Right. I guess at like the VP level, it probably works because the, again, we're back to the doing. The doing is very little. But then, right. how do you how do you really do effective strategy against work that you don't have a really good understanding and expertise of what the work is? Right. Like it, it's just harder. Sure. It's not, it's not impossible. It just takes you longer to get up to speed. So, you know, I, I don't know how many organizations kind of set proper expectations for that yeah it's also a types of work thing so you you assume when you're a vp you might have three or four different disciplines under you you can't have there shouldn't be an expectation that you know four different disciplines yeah no no but you probably know one of them really well right and then the other three were your peers and so you probably yeah. know a second one pretty well and then the yeah. other two decently well right. right but there are organizations that do like lateral moves right They'll right. they'll pick up and move you to something you have no experience in, and it's like, like the well, VP I mean, of PMO out and put him as the VP of infrastructure. Clearly correct. not, yeah, correct, right? And and no, I while I understand what you're trying to do as an organization, you're creating an awful lot, you're force creating an awful lot of generalists. I don't know that right. that's ever been successful, right? Right. All right, Carlos, what do you think about doing work versus? <laughs> <laughs> It definitely is, is a distinction uh, that when you say that there's different roles, I've seen roles, like you said, with the title of VP, 
but they're asking you for you need to have 10 years of Java development experience <laughs> and you should know all. I'm like, wait, are you leading or are you coding? Which one are you doing? And that's actually, like you mentioned, it's a challenge that our industry has. And that's why sometimes there's so much trouble and the projects doesn't get delivered on time because you're not leading them correctly. And then the people that need to code don't know what the heck to do. Because I'm like, okay, so if you're doing it, then I'm not doing it. Then I'm just watching you. Um, so that was a, a really good one to take some notes, go back, uh, highlight the transcription. So my friends, it's awesome to have you here. And as Paul and Howard mentioned, take the time to understand, are you still banging the keyboard on your role and you have gone up from just being a technologist? Now you should start saying, hey, probably I need to delegate a little bit more so I can focus on the next level so I can grow. If you're still on the bottom and you're growing and you're a technologist, say, okay, that's where I want to go. How you should be mapping on your career that is not about doing less work is different. It's shifting what you're doing. Now you're more strategic versus the technologist. My friends, we'll see you on our next episode.